This is a GRDC podcast. Imagine being able to run the numbers on how your crop profitability could perform, not just for the next season, but also being able to see 100 years into the future. Well, a group of researchers have made this a reality through more than just modelling. They've created a free-to-use online calculator based on real data from extensive field trials and real weather records that help growers calculate profitability of decisions now and how the warming climate will impact future crop performance. Hello there, I'm Sarah Sanderson. It's all part of the long-running Optimising Irrigated Grains initiative. That's a collaboration with GRDC, University of Tasmania, University of Queensland, CSIRO, SARDI and Southern Growers. As part of the economics project within this initiative, they've built modelling on various crops using weather data from towns across New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia and Tasmania. And they've road tested it with growers and agronomists to bring it all together in a free online tool called Water Can Profit. We caught up with Associate Professor Matt Harrison from the University of Tasmania, who's been leading the economics project. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Thanks, Sarah. It's my pleasure to be here. Tell us a bit about the Optimising Irrigated Grains Initiative and how the optimal flowering periods research fits into this project. So the Optimising Irrigated Grains Initiative, funded by GRDC with contributions from many other organisations, has been a five-year cross-disciplinary initiative across New South Wales, Victoria, Tasmania, South Australia. It involved farmers, grower groups, research organisations, as well as extension staff. So it was a really powerful way to generate a continuum of research, development, extension and adoption. I was the leader of what was called the Economics Project, and in that we designed a calculator, an economics calculator, to support improving profitability of irrigated crops and the end product of that has been a calculator called Water Can Profit. One of the strategies that we looked at to improve the profitability of irrigated crops within Water Can Profit was optimising flowering times. Now, if you time your flowering time of a cereal crop so that it occurs within a certain window based on your long-term prevailing climate for your region, you minimise the likelihood of impact of climatic pressures and that could be frost damage from flowering too early or heat stress or drought stress from flowering too late. So we looked at 111 years of simulations using the contemporary systems model called APSIM. So we used real-time real weather data measured every single day from post offices. We used six different crops, eight locations, two different genotypes. So we did thousands of simulations and we looked at long-term optimal flowering windows and we generated those windows for eight different sites across Australia for irrigated and rain-fed crops. So in that way, you pick up weather variation, you pick up long-term climate trends and how that would impact on crop development, biomass production and yield. And you touched on it there, the environmental challenges of of both the current climate and also the long-term future impacts of the warming climate that you could see with the 111 years of simulations. How did those current and long-term environmental considerations factor into this optimal flowering windows project? Yeah, so there's two aspects to that. One is the short-term weather. Now, with a field experiment, you're subject to the vagaries of the weather, but you can only really do a field experiment for 
two or three or four or five years. So when you integrate field experiments, which FAR have conducted in the Optimising Irrigated Grains Initiative with simulation modelling, which is led by the University of Tasmania, you can extrapolate field experiments to the long term. So field experiments being subject to weather, simulation modelling using both weather, so that's short-term variation in weather, and then with long-term climatic change, so you get global warming. And we could pick up those trends on how that impacted on flowering time. And you could see it moving forwards. You can actually see as the temperature warms across all of the eight locations that we simulated and as average temperatures increased, crop development speeds up and flowering time occurs earlier. So to counteract that, growers have two management levers. So one is to shift forward sowing time and to some extent people have already done that. The other one is to pick different genotypes and crop type as well. So barley typically matures faster than wheat and so people typically can sow wheat first and barley second because it matures faster. So taking all of those factors into account, talk us through some of the results you saw from this research. We saw that rain-fed yields decreased by 24% and irrigated yields decreased by an average of 13% under global warming. We saw that over 111 years, rain-fed crops had a shorter growing season and flowered before irrigated crops. Early maturity irrigated crops were 3 to 25 days later than rain-fed crops and late maturity crop types were about 11 to 30 days later than their counterpart rain-fed crops. So that's quite a wide range, but that's because we did 111 years and eight different locations and multiple crop types. But probably the key message there is that the centre of the optimal flowering window for irrigated crops is later than that for rain-fed crops. Were there any other results that you came across in all of those different areas that you were really surprised by or perhaps you weren't expecting? Yeah, so there's the two parts. We looked at optimal flowering windows and the comparison between rain-fed and irrigated crops. The other part was the gradual change in optimal flowering windows for irrigated and rain-fed crops over time as the planet has warmed. So what we did just as a control is we held sowing time the same and we simulated yields and so simulated yields according to the optimal flowering time. What we found over 111 years Rain-fed yields had gone down by about 24% on average, some years more, some years less. Irrigated crops, on average, this is across eight different sites and six different crop types and two genotypes and eight locations, their average yield went down by about 13%. So what that shows, even in the absence of water stress, and the irrigated crops in the model had no water stress, average yields still went down because you've got truncated crop development, it flowers earlier, it can't grow for as long and therefore it hasn't got as much biomass to translocate to the developing head and therefore your yield potential is down. So it just really highlights that water stress is not everything, it's growing season duration amongst all the other things that weren't in the model like disease pressures and so on but it just highlights the importance of appropriate sowing time and targeting a particular optimal flowering window and knowing what that is for your region. Something else that this project looked at as well, which was a new interesting aspect that hadn't been looked at before with optimal flowering windows, was rain-fed versus irrigation. Can you talk us through the focus on that and the things you found? Yeah, so that was a particular novelty of the economics project in the Optimising Irrigated Grains Initiative, and that was 
How does the optimal flowering time between rain-fed and irrigated crops compare? Now, we're not just looking at one season or one site. We looked at eight sites over 111 years, so these are long-term ranges. So we looked at the optimal flowering window of rain-fed crops, and then we looked at how that compared to irrigated crops. What we found is that although the start of the optimal flowering window for the two crops was the same, that is, if you flower at that time, you maximise yield potential, according to climatic pressures. Irrigated crops are a little bit more flexible. So if you can irrigate in late crop development, slightly before flowering, you negate that terminal water stress for a little bit, allowing the crop to grow longer and flower later and potentially avoid frost stress. You can't avoid heat stress with irrigation, but you can avoid drought stress. So the key observation there is that the optimal flowering window is broader for irrigated crops and the middle of that flowering window is a little bit later, so it can be one to two weeks later than rain-fed crops, and that's a unique finding of the current project. The second part is that we've used a contemporary farming systems model. So it's not just a model, that's actually built in a whole bunch of soil physics, crop biology, real genotypes based on current genotypes. So the model actually replicates both crop development, growth and yield based on contemporary genotypes. So we did what was called a genotype by environment by management simulation and Albert Maluki, a PhD student, did a lot of the simulation work. And by doing those simulations, over hundreds of thousands of factorial simulations, we could pull out the effect of climate and weather for each of the eight locations we did. We could look at what optimal sowing time should you be doing for the eight locations that we did for eight different crop types. So that really is a unique aspect. We harnessed contemporary scientific knowledge in a numerical framework to come up with practical results. As you well know, and as our listeners know, sowing doesn't happen in just one day. It's a staged or a staggered process where time and resources have to be carefully managed. So how did these findings about the optimal flowering periods for irrigated crops help growers make those critical time-sensitive decisions. Yeah, that's right. So that means that you probably start earlier than the optimal sowing time and you finish later than the optimal sowing time simply because of practical barriers. So when you finish those later ones, those crops are most likely to finish to flower later than the optimal flowering window. You can make the most of that with the irrigated crops because irrigated crop flowering windows are typically a little bit later and a little bit more forgiving than the optimal flowering windows of rain-fed crops. So if you've sown some of your paddocks late and you can irrigate them, that's perhaps okay because the optimal flowering windows of irrigated crops is a little bit broader and later. In terms of the economic project, it also looked at whole farm management and implications, not just paddocks in isolation. Talk us through that approach of looking at the whole farm management and some of the findings. Yeah, that's a good point. So typically what people have done in both simulation modelling and in field experiments is to look at single paddock results. So to look at the yield of a particular crop in a single paddock or compare different crop types in a single paddock. What we did, and this is built into the second part of Water Can Profit, was to come up with an approach to optimise the use of water across the whole farm. And that's typically because people have a limited amount of water that they can use for any given winter or summer season. And they know what that is for their farm. It might be 10 megalitres or it might be 1,000, but they have a limited quantum. So how do you best use that water to maximise dollars per megalitre? Now, that depends on 
the yield of your crop, how much water that crop uses, the water price. So, for example, a couple of years ago, it was $1,000 a megalitre. This season, because of the La Nina, it was $30 a megalitre in New South Wales, so up and down all over the shop. Grain prices up and down all over the place. Yields of different crops vary, so maize quite high and you get some legumes that might only be one or two tonnes. Canola, you might get a maximum of five tonne irrigated, but you get different grain prices and water use. So throw all that into the mix as well as your paddock sizes and your other limitations as well. So irrigation infrastructure or some paddocks rain fed. How do you optimally use that water across the farm? And that's what we built into the calculator. We harnessed contemporary scientific knowledge in a numerical framework to come up with practical results. And some of those results have been adopted. Can you share with us any examples of those practical results being adopted? So one example was a farmer who was in northern New South Wales. He was sure that he was going to irrigate maize for the summer. And we put in a bunch of indicative summer crops that he could have potentially irrigated into water can profit. The end result come out that irrigated sorghum was by far the most profitable for his region and for that year. And he said, no, that's it. Oh, I've changed. No, I'm going to say sorghum now. No. And I said, oh, you might want to do a few more tests just in case you got the yield wrong or the water use wrong or, you know, with a different grain price. And I encourage people to do that. He did go back and do a few more tests, but he did, he did change. He went and sowed irrigated sorghum last summer. That is a clear example of adoption of results of decisions that come out of the use of water can profit. So he's actually changed his decision-making capacity in the results that have come out of the calculator. And something else that set this project apart, it was very collaborative, but it was also quite grower-led in how you got the input from growers of what information they're needing on the ground. Yeah, so that's an important point. So it was a participatory project. It was done using design-led thinking. The part of the project that I led, the economics project, we built this calculator called Water Can Profit. We first of all went to farmers and agronomists and irrigation salespeople and many other irrigation stakeholders and we asked them how they choose the crop type selection for their farm how they optimise the use of a limited amount of water across the farm, how they account for variability across years, and what they think about irrigation type. So what actually come back out of that is that people, they were actually basing their decisions based on crop price, so grain price, and also rotation. So what crop did they sow in the previous year and therefore what will they sow the next year? It also showed some of the leading growers said that people are not really thinking about different sorts of irrigation infrastructure, but they should be. They should be comparing the profitability of flood-based irrigation compared with sprinkler irrigation, like an overhead pivot, because some sorts of irrigation, like pivot irrigation, are more flexible. They allow you to water two or three crops within the one season, whereas surface-based irrigation is usually only for that crop type for that season. So there's three key points that we actually built into Water Can Profit. How does gross margin respond to water price? How do you optimise the use of a limited quantum of water? And the third part is the comparison of the long-term payback periods of different irrigation infrastructure. And that compares thousands of different combinations. So it's much more than a glorified spreadsheet, but it's actually based on grower feedback. A lot of this project has already been shared with growers and appreciate you've still got until May 2023 until the whole thing wraps up. But what has some of the feedback been from growers so far? 
Yeah, so we've had a variety of feedback. Overwhelmingly, it's been positive. The first part of the project started, I think, in 2018, 2019, so we were impacted somewhat by COVID, as the grower groups were as well. So we did some online. I remember one particular online session where we had both a grower and his agronomist together. We put in the grower's crop choices. So growers typically have a range of crops at their disposal that they may or might not sow. This grower put in his yields and his water use and the three or four or five different crop types. We ran through it in Watercam. We looked at the profitability, dollars per megalitre and dollars per hectare of his targeted crops for his site. This was a South Australian grower. And at the end of the session, after an hour, he said, wow, that saved me three or four years of experimenting in the paddock myself. And so that was, you know, a really useful observation and that the farmer had shown us that by comparing what-if scenarios, alternative profits and grain prices and yields in a what-if way, not looking at absolute numbers, but comparisons between them, it had saved him three or four years of experimenting around in the paddock himself. So that was a really useful insight. And if other growers want to have a go at this tool themselves, where can they find it? Yeah, so if you just go www.watercanprofit.com.au, it's freely available online. We've done a desktop version and GRDC has funded us to do a mobile app-based version of Watercan Profit. That's under construction. That will be finished in early 2023. Thank you so much for your time, Matt. Thanks very much for the invitation to speak to you today, Sarah. That was Associate Professor Matt Harrison from the University of Tasmania, who's the leader of the Economics Project, part of the Optimising Irrigated Grains Initiative. This is a GRDC podcast. I'm Sarah Sanderson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.